Well, good morning. This is Craig Bryant, and it's a pleasure to be with you to bring today's lesson uh, in our curriculum. I've really enjoyed teaching over the past few months and as well listening to the wonderful teachers that have taken time to do these recordings. It's been a real blessing as we've had to be away from each other. But I'm super excited about a month from now when Sunday School is a part of our reopening plan is coming back across all ages and stages of life. To those of you that are already meeting together, hopefully this complements what you're hearing and learning. And for those that are from afar or otherwise unable to be in the church building, we pray that this will be a blessing to you. Well, let's do pray together as we get started today, and then we'll jump into our lesson. Heavenly Father, we look forward to opening your word. Help us to find those wonderful nuggets as we finish out the study of Proverbs today. Things that we can take with us as we apply to our daily lives and things that we can aspire to be as we walk the journey of sanctification. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for uh, this church, the technology that we have, the people who are willing to apply their skills to put it all together to be used both here and around the world. And now, Lord, as we do open our time together, we pray that you will help us to see things with your wisdom. And we pray now that um, as we're together again soon in person, that you will bring us there safely so that we can enjoy the fellowship of being in person. What a foretaste of glory divine that's going to be when we all get to heaven someday. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, no, it's not Mother's Day today. We're here in middle of August, but we're going to be in Proverbs 31 as we close our lessons in the book of Proverbs. This is most often talked about during Mother's Day or sometimes at weddings and even at memorial services and funerals as we honor people that um, are around us. But I'm excited to set the context. We're in Proverbs chapter 31, so turn with me there and let's read the first few verses beginning in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows, do not give your strength to women, or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to desire strong drink. And let's skip down to verse 9. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Well, in that little segment, we meet an individual named King Lemuel, and we don't know much about him. His uh, identity and his details remain a mystery to us uh, in terms of what we study in the Bible. But we're able to see three things that his mother teaches him. And that's really lesson one today, is that as moms and as dads, we have a responsibility to teach our children. I'm grateful that our church does this so very well through children's and youth programming. However, uh, the main responsibility is Tony and Gregory and Andrew and Tyler have all taught us as a part of our youth program is that this starts in the family and in the home. And I know I'm guilty at times of being neglectful on that. Uh, I now have adult children, but I can certainly say that some of the sweetest times we've had is when we were gathered together, learning together from God's Word and experiencing His blessings. So let's do what King Lemuel's mother did and teach our children. And there's three main things to take away here. The first is she encouraged him to keep his life pure. In the first few verses to just say, look, don't just chase things. 
keep focused on God and keep focused on his plans. Don't just go after something that just tickles your fancy or in some way is attractive to you. Second, he or she taught him to stay sober. Just a couple weeks back, Brother Jack brought a wonderful lesson on this, and he gave personal examples of how in his family and those around him that he's had challenges and, and he's had experiences based upon alcohol that have been something that uh, he would prefer not to have had. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here to say that I was really moved by the fact that he would share so openly about something like that. But he also encouraged us through what he read in Proverbs to stay sober and on the alert and to stay away from the usage of alcohol. And finally, um, in the last verse we just read, verse 9, she encourages him to defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Now that's noble. There are lots of organizations that give to the poor, that in some ways help those in greatest need. Certainly our church is doing that through benevolence funds and other wonderful gifts that we give. But I don't do that to pat ourselves on the back or to say wonderful things about other organizations. This mother was just carrying on what God has commanded, and that is to look out for the needs of others and to certainly find ways to give them um, great gifts of goodness and kindness and to show the Lord's love as the hands and feet of Christ. So that's the background on Lemuel and his mother as we get started. Now let's shift over to the next 22 verses here that complete Proverbs 31. The first thing is I was preparing this lesson that I learned, and I'm in my mid-50s. I had never heard this before. But if you look at these verses 10 through 31 in the Hebrew, what you would find is that each verse begins with one of the letters in order of the Hebrew alphabet. So basically, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and this goes through in order if you were to read it that way. So it was an acrostic, a way of easily being able to memorize these verses by going methodically beginning to end using the alphabet. And how that must have really helped when mothers and fathers were teaching children the importance of things that were known by them and that they had experienced. So I encourage you to be creative in your usage of teaching your children as well. Though we don't have the luxury of having 22 letters in our alphabet, nor do these follow along a true acrostic, there's certainly a way that you could do something like that to help in Scripture memorization. Well, let's start just by reading one verse, and that's verse 10. An excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. Another version says, is far more precious than jewels. In many ways, people look for matches to find a spouse. In today's world, there are many technology platforms that um, allow you to, quote-unquote, find a soulmate or promise that you would have a pool of people to choose from that uh, most closely match what you would be looking for if you're truthful in setting up your own profile. And while those are admirable traits and, and technologies to utilize, um, I think the Lord really was trying to say through this proverb that you do have to find, you do have to seek, you do have to know and go. 
And what I mean by that is I'm no marital counselor, but it can't just be that you put a lemonade sign up on the side of your street and say, here's some lemonade, stop by. A few people might do that, but most people just drive on by. Instead, if you want to be out and about serving, that's really what's needed and necessary. And you must seek the treasure to find it. Recently, uh, in the mountains of either Colorado or Wyoming, I forget, uh, art collector out of Santa Fe had, had buried a treasure a few years ago, and it was found earlier this year. Finn's uh, treasure was something that he had hoped would bring many people into the wilderness and the great outdoors to have fun and hopefully find a treasure. And in it was evidently a million dollars of jewels and gold and trinkets and things that would be highly valued in the open marketplace. Well, the person who's found it is still unknown. They've asked to remain anonymous. And so far, they've been able to do that. But many people wonder, is this a hoax or is it real? Well, evidently to the collector, this is real because he has photographic and other evidence that says this individual is now in possession of Finn's fortune, the treasure that was sought. But look at what the verse says. A wife is much more precious than anything like a treasure. And when you start a segment understanding that, and you understand as a young person who's seeking a spouse, especially as a male going after his wife, that you're looking for someone who is going to be so precious to you, that really does set a wonderful tone. Let's skip down to verses 11 and 12. The heart of the husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know, this is important to, to talk about because of the word heart. Um, opening in verse 11, we when I taught a few weeks ago, I taught out of Proverbs 4, and my life verse was 423 which is, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And in this case, I did look up in the Bible dictionary, the word heart is intended to be the same word in both this verse 11 and in Proverbs 4.23. And what it means is your whole being, every fiber of who you are. So the husband in this case is so completely sold out in his trust of his wife that he has no question about who she is, what she'll do, and how she'll act, and how she'll be his partner throughout life. And conversely, uh, it says that she said, or she will also do him good and not evil all the days of her life. This person is absolutely trying to help her husband be the best that he can be. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, there was a military recruiting commercial that came on. And it came after the Uncle Sam pointing at you saying, I want you to serve your country. This commercial, a few years back, a few decades back, I should say, um, was basically, be all you can be. And the message behind it was, by joining our organization, we're going to help you reach your full potential. We'll train you, we'll help you grow physically and in maturity, and we'll, we'll teach you how to be someone who loves their country. And, and people came from all walks of life and all places and stages of life to actually follow that calling because they were looking for meaning. And what it says here in Scripture is that this wonderful woman, 
someone that we can all aspire to be like, would always seek to do good and not evil. That is a wonderful life partner to be around. Well, continuing forward, let's read verses 13 through 16 quickly. She looks for wool and flax. She works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it's still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. And from her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Well, this sounds like Wonder Woman. And to be very clear, this is a nice time to take a pause and just remind you that the writer was talking about how we could aspire to be a godly woman, not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip for what they did or did not do. But there's four parts to these four verses that I think really stand out as we aspire to be like this. Number one is she has willing hands, the end of the opening verse in that section. She works with her hands in delight. So doesn't mind getting her hands dirty, doesn't mind having to work with wool and flax, which would have been very tedious and at times very difficult. She brought food from far away, meaning that she doesn't just uh, jump online to Amazon to order food. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. That's certainly a wonderful technology tool that's available, but she considers where the best produce is, where the best opportunities are. Now, friends, we know in today's world, um, a society that would um, devalue gender in many ways that we would make sure not to say it's a woman's duty to buy the food. It's a woman's duty to do these things. What we're calling out here is that the writer notes that this person in this culture had responsibilities and took them super seriously and was willing to go to great lengths to do it well. And I think that's the main lesson is will we go to lift our fingers and our put our shoes on and, and get out there and go to great lengths to do things well. Number three, she rises while it's still night. <laughs> this always brings a chuckle whenever I'm in an audience around Mother's Day or other things and, and uh, someone says, gosh, I'm a night owl, I'm going to sleep in. But note in the culture of the time, because of the temperatures, because of the way people lived, that oftentimes the best work was done early in the morning, both because of the availability of things like firewood and of water that was pure and flowing after a night, but also because you had a day that was built upon work in fields and outdoors. So you needed to prepare a hearty meal for those that were in your stead to cover. And so in this case, she was willing to do that work even in the earliest of dawn's hours. And finally, she was shrewd not in a negative way, but she looked at things from a businesswoman's standpoint. She considered a field and bought it, and then was able to plant a vineyard from her earnings. So where did she get the money? Well, earlier we saw that she worked with wool and flax, and certainly we know in the culture of the time that many of the women made garments that could be worn, and they were bartered or sold uh, as a part of their um, capacity for earning a living. And so she had her way of being able to get a piece of land that then she could turn into something that was good for her family and her responsibility. Now we could spend the next 30 minutes talking about the word pictures behind this, but as I study preparing for the lesson, the key thing is this woman didn't do it all alone. She had people in her home to assist, portions for her female servants. So clearly there was help. 
but she took responsibility for coordinating, planning, and making decisions. At times, that can be very scary. At times, that can be very empowering. But this godly woman was someone who didn't shirk the responsibilities uh, in deference of just the difficulties or the scaredness that might come with it. So let's be like her. Let's be someone who can say, Lord, whatever those challenges or trials or decisions or difficulties, we'll walk in faith and we'll be happy to make those decisions and work on your behalf. Well, continuing down, we're going to skip toward the end of this lesson as we um, go to verse 23 now. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. This is back to where she was making money. Um, and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Well, I'd like for you to stop and think for a minute of, of a woman in your life that embodied these characteristics. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's a grandmother, an aunt, a teacher. Maybe it's a neighbor. Uh, certainly maybe your own spouse, a wife who shows these characteristics. And what I can say to you is that probably makes you smile when you have that memory, especially if they've gone on before you, uh, to hear those kind of characteristics. But let's just quickly look at them. Number one, her husband has a good reputation when he sits with the elders at the gate. In those days, business was done in the outdoors. And the gates of the city where people came and went was where things were adjudicated, whether it was matters of law matters of commerce, or matters of dealing with decisions like a judge would do. There weren't court chambers. There weren't storefronts everywhere. Uh, it was done in the gates. And so because of his wife, the husband had a wonderful reputation when he was known in the public. That's a great thing. And then we see in verse 24 how she continuously made goods that were available to people, and those goods were for sale. Now, we don't know how much of that she did. We don't know if she would have her on online business. But clearly, in today's world, there's applicability to someone who can use her giftedness. And certainly, if we apply this to men, his giftedness to being able to serve others through what they make or do. And so um, in this case, we know that she had a reputation and it had to be stellar as a business person because they believed in the quality of her product and they would buy and sell it. So that's a, a wonderful thing. Now, my favorite verse in the chapter is verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. I had the privilege of uh, being the speaker at my mother's memorial service just a couple of years ago. My mother was uh, diagnosed with a cancer and told she had a year to live, and she lived for one year and five days after her diagnosis. And During that time, uh, she lived to be almost 80, but in that last year of life, we Three children and extended family got to spend wonderful time with her. She felt good throughout her, um, her diagnosis and, and her treatments and all. But obviously, we knew time was growing short. On her deathbed, uh, my brother and sister and I were there together with her. And as she was taking her final breaths, she literally had a gigantic smile that formed on her face. And we all saw it. And then she closed her eyes, meaning to, not just because it happened, but she would kind of quickly close them like someone who was being told to do it in a hide-and-seek game. 
And within a minute after that, she took her last breath. Now, I don't know what she saw as heavens were opened up to her to uh, join because of her faith. But that lasting memory of her smile will never leave me and gave me great hope for the future. I share that personal anecdote to give you comfort that there was an unknown future in the sense that when you were mom was going, she was very comfortable with her eternal salvation. But you still don't know exactly what to expect. But she smiled at her future. And that's a wonderful thing. And finally, verse 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. We'll be closing in just a minute, but the teaching of kindness, I think, really epitomizes this woman of God. She's clearly pragmatic. She's clearly prudent. She's even someone who will make progress in her life because of the things that she does. But look at this. She's embodied by a teacher's mindset of kindness. Now, it's clear we all like a kind word and we appreciate someone who has a kind spirit about them. But in this case, as we're wrapping up the chapter, what we can see here is that this woman um, has wisdom in what she says, but she teaches it in kindness. The final illustration I'm going to give you today is if you think of your favorite teacher, male or female, one of the characteristics among many that you will think of, whether it was a school teacher or a neighbor or a Sunday school teacher or a parent, is that in their wisdom, they shared it with a smile. They shared it with a knowledge and an understanding that they were rooting for you and wanted to help you. And so I think that that's a great example as we look to um, think of how we can be like this woman. And finally, we'll just close the chapter with 29 and 30, 28 and 29, I should say. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. I do hope that as husbands, that I'm, we are the biggest fans of our wives. That, that for Tammy, that I'm her biggest fan and cheerleader and biggest supporter Certainly, that's what God calls me to be as her husband. But I can truly say that, that as a wonderful wife, you excel people. I don't do a lot of comparisons and try to look at things and grade people on scales anyway. But I can say this, that we have two children and they bless their mother. They love their mother. They want to be around their mother. And, and is their mother or father perfect? Absolutely not. We are sinners saved by grace. But what we can say is that we want to be around Tammy, and we do bless her. And I hope that you can say the same for your spouse, your mother. And if you can't, for any reason, of difficulties of life, discouragement, challenges, look to this scripture and look to how you can be someone who is kind, who is supportive, who is a hard worker, who is able to come alongside as a spouse and be able to say, I will start a journey today toward being a person who undergirds and helps as we go along this journey together. Friends, it's, it's no question that we're in a difficult patch of life right now. The economy has changed substantially. Job loss is all around us. Health issues seem to dominate every day of the news. And finally, if we're not careful, 
it doesn't take long where we feel completely discouraged, abandoned, or overwhelmed. But we can look here to the simplicity of what the mother of King Lemuel was saying and what the writer of Proverbs wanted us to know, and that is we can praise those who we love and who we support, and by doing that, we can show God's love to a world that definitely needs to see it through our marriages and through our familial relationships. Now, clearly, it's because of God and He first loving us that we can even understand a little bit of what the writer's trying to say, that grace that can be given in all circumstances. So, friends, this lesson, most often taught on Mother's Day or weddings or funerals, is wonderful. And to all of you women who are listening today, I encourage you to aspire to what the Proverbs 31 woman is being talked about as a role model. But please don't let your shortcomings or challenges overwhelm you either. Know that we're batting for you and want to support you in any way. Here's a church and as a church family. And in closing, let me just say that here in the middle of August, when it's 105 degrees outside, and man, you can quickly get overwhelmed by the heat of the moment, that we are here to provide to you the encouragement in life that you need. So when you feel overbaked or overwhelmed, just know that this church family wants to support you in your walk. And let's pray that the Lord will help us do that as a body of believers. Lord, as we close today's lesson, as I prepared this time, I really wondered what to say and how to say it. And I, I looked at several different resources and all. And I was doing that because I don't want there to be any sense of guilt or of disconnect over what the writer's trying to say. But instead, for this to be a message of encouragement and learning together. And Lord, as a church body, may we continue to be a body of believers that wants to encourage and equip people to grow more in God's image. And Lord, I'm grateful for the women in my life, my mother, my mother-in-law, my wife, those that have shown wonderful Christ-like examples, several generations back to grandmothers and great-grandmothers. I'm so grateful for that. But for those, Lord, that have family situations where it's not all roses and not all put together, Lord, I just pray that even today that those things will continue to be healed and people will grow as they learn from what you have to say in the Word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that both convicts us and equips us and encourages us to stand strong in the days ahead. And may this church do that. Help families in their circumstances and help us all grow in the image of Christ. That is our goal. That is our prayer. And we hopeful, hopefully we'll be able to say that is our plan with your help that we can do that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.